But once again, welcome over in the venue and all of you that are watching online. We're going to do something that doesn't happen very often in church. Uh, maybe once a decade, maybe, maybe if, if that. And I'm going to ask Pastor Joel and his wife to come on up here, Sarah. And I'm going to ask both uh, Joel's parents and Sarah's parents, if you guys would come up here, uh, uh, the Blakes and the Boons, and just get behind them. And then I'm going to ask our pastors and elders, if you would come, and then maybe even get behind the uh, Boone family and the Blake family. Um, I have some oil here in my pocket, and in a moment we're going to anoint Joel, and there's nothing, this is just oil, but in the Bible, especially the Old Testament, oil represented something, it represented the presence of Christ, the, the, the presence of God, and so when we anoint him, it's just a reminder for him and for us that this is about God, this is what God's doing in his life, and what we're going to do is... We're going to ordain him to be a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. And it's a, yeah. Ord, uh, ordination is, is different. We have a lot of guys on our staff that are pastors. They're not ordained. They're just pastors. They've been licensed by our church. We're not a part of a denomination, so we have to do this on our own. And when you're licensed as a pastor... You know, you, you, you can marry people, you can bury people. I mean, there, there are certain things you, you, that come with being a licensed minister of the gospel. But if somebody were to quit or they retire or they move, that license doesn't go with them. It's, they're only licensed as a minister of the gospel here. Ordination is way different. Ordination is something that you would take with you wherever you go. It's a, it's a lifetime calling, if you will. And what ordination is, if I could boil it down, is, is it's us saying to God, God, we recognize your hand upon Joel's life. Your calling on his life. And to recognize that takes some time, though. You, you just don't lay hands on a guy and anoint him with oil and say, we're, we're ordaining you to ministry because we've watched you for the last six weeks or the last six years. It, it, it's, a, it's something that you watch for a long, 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 long time. Because we want to make sure, God, we absolutely see the calling. There are a lot of guys that have been licensed to ministry that aren't in ministry anymore because they weren't called to be a pastor. They thought they were, but the reality was they weren't, and so they're out of ministry now. When you ordain somebody, it's because you know you've seen the hand of God in his life. And I can go all the way back to when Joel was in my youth ministry. I could see the hand of God in his life in a very unique way. Was he a typical adolescent? Absolutely. But I could see something. This is a different kid. This is a kid who's sensitive to the things of God. This is a kid who cared about the things of God. This is a kid who was willing to give up a lot to serve the king, whether it be in Mexico or wherever it might be. Serving the Lord trumped other things. 
And now as a staff, a pastoral staff member here, we, we've watched him. The elders of the church have watched him. We recognize something and then we put him through a, a pretty weighty process. And uh, we are here to, uh, to ordain him. And, and, uh, and then what we do is we say, you preach your first message. And he has this that we've given him. It says, uh, Certificate of Ordination. We, the undersigned, upon the recommendation and request of Big Valley Grace Community Church, which had fully and sufficient opportunity for judging the God-given uh, gifts, Christian experience, call to ministry, and views of biblical doctrine, hereby certify that Joel Boone was solemnly and publicly set apart and ordained to the work of the gospel ministry by the authority and order of Big Valley Grace Community Church in Modesto, California. And then all of us elders have, have signed this, and he'll put this in his office. I, I, have, I have two of these in my office. I've, I've got mine when I was uh, licensed and all the elders at that time signed it and it's in my office. And I have the one when I was ordained and it has uh, the, the elders. M many of those elders are with the Lord now. It's been a long time. But those are two things in my office that I treasure. Those are significant moments and, and uh, we, th th this is going to be for, for, for Joel. But here's the deal. Before we get to Joel, I want to deal with his dad for a moment, Alan. Now Alan didn't know we were going to do this last night. Um, and so last night, it was kind of a surprise for Alan. Alan has served the Lord here at Big Valley Grace for a long time, longer than probably most of you have been alive. He's been an elder at this church for a long, long time. He was an elder. And he's been a pastor here for a long, long time. He's done a lot of great things for the kingdom. Our, our church wouldn't be where it's at today if not uh, Alan allowing the Holy Spirit to work through him in some incredible ways. Well, he's retiring after all of these seasons uh, of serving the Lord. And what we did was, for the very first time here at Big Valley Grace, we have made Palin, or Alan a pastor of emeritus here at Big Valley Grace. And some of you are going, well, what does that mean? What does a pastor of emeritus mean? I don't really know. <laughs> all I know is we ain't paying him anymore. That, that, that. That I do know. That we got. That was we got that clean. Um, oh well, let me tell you what it means. It means that past, uh, Pastor Allen is still a pastor of this church. He he still has all of the authority that comes with being a pastor, marrying people, burying people. He wants to serve the Lord here. He's going to continue to serve the Lord here in lots of capacities as a pastor. It's just that he's not officially on our staff. He's a pastor emeritus here at Big Valley Grace. And one of the things that we, as an elder board, which by the way, all of us elders have signed this, is this is an incredible moment. We've never done this at Big Valley Grace before. Most churches probably never even get to this moment where somebody stays on the staff this long. But I was thinking about Big Valley and uh, there's a number of us, I, I, think, I think six of us. This could be a church that literally over the next whatever years has six pastors that would be pastor emeritus's Folks who aren't necessarily on the payroll anymore, but they're still ministering. You're always a minister, whether you, you get paid to or not. And so we gave Alan um, uh, this last night. Last hour, we gave Marty uh, as, a, as a retirement gift uh, 
something where they could go find a little bed and breakfast and, and, and hang out and do something. And, and this hour, we got this uh, video active HR GPSing. Alan, Alan's like one of these weird guys that like runs. And, uh, what's the point of that? Uh, and it's got like a GPS system in it. So if he doesn't get home and he's, you know, pulled a hammy five miles away, I guess you can get on there and look and go pick him up in the car or send the ambulance or whatever, whatever it is you do. And, and so uh, this gift is for you and all the jogging and running and, and, and stuff that, that, that you do, Alan. Hey, appreciate Alan. We do that. So... I'm going to ask Joel and Sarah if you would kneel, and I'm going to ask the elders if you would encompass them. And um, uh, so gather around them, guys. Come on, gather around them. And I'm going to ask uh, Rick Thompson if you'll pray. I'm going to ask Charlie if you would pray. And then, Dad, I'm going to ask you to pray. Come on, get around them. I want us all around them. And so I'll give you this. And uh, congregation, why don't you stand? And Joel, on behalf of the elders of this church, I anoint you in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit. Rick, would you lead us? Father, we thank you that you are a God who loves each and every one of us. You're a God who loves us and has an amazing plan for each and every one of our lives, a special calling. And we recognize that calling in Joel's life today, and we give you praise, Lord, for it. We thank you that he is a man who has demonstrated great character, a character that's filled with a humility of heart and a love for people. And most of all, a love for you, that you've gifted him, that you've called him, and we simply, Lord, recognize your gifting in your calling, and we rejoice in it together. Thank you for his wife. This is a calling in her life as well for all of the family, and we commit them to you, asking your protection over them and blessing upon them for your honor and your glory. Heavenly Father, God, we this is a time of rejoicing for us. We we just a, a small people in a a part of a great a much greater kingdom. Lord, you you brought us someone uh, that would would be a leader, Lord, someone that uh, has dedicated their life to serving you, and not only him, but uh, Lord, I pray for his wife Sarah as well, and and their family. Lord, um, just pray your Holy Spirit would be on them, that uh, you would humble them, that they can mm-hmm. they can follow you when you lead, and uh, Lord, when times are rough and when times are, are hard, when the back door is left ajar and the, the uh, enemy slithers in with uh, 
with uh, kind words and uh, wine, Lord, that you would, uh, your Holy Spirit would sound the alarm, Lord, and they would button down the hatches, so to speak, Lord. So, Father, just bless Joel and Sarah and their family this morning. We love them, and we thank you for the gift that you've given us. In Christ's name, amen. Dear Heavenly Father, we love you. And we are really humbled uh, and uh, so grateful at this moment, uh, this special time. And uh, we, we thank you so much for the many answered prayers. Uh, as um, uh, Joel's mom and I have prayed on a daily basis for him and uh, brought him before you. And uh, we think back as to when we dedicated him to you and uh, ask you to uh, fulfill your desire, your, your plan for him in his life. And Lord, we see that uh, coming to fruition today, Lord. And so we thank you for that. Many, many answers to prayer to come to this day today. And then, Lord, you brought, a, um, brought Sarah uh, across his path and into his life, Lord. And we thank you that you gave him enough wisdom at that time to marry her. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, we are so grateful for that. And for her mom and dad, uh, the Blakes, who are such a precious part of our family. Mm-hmm. And uh, love you so much and so serve you so well. And, Lord, uh, we're so grateful that a y- at a young age, Joel gave his life to you as you called and tucked on his heart, little heart. And he responded. And, uh, and as uh, Joel has uh, heard from me many times, Lord, uh, that being the case, you have secured his eternal life and given him the Holy Spirit, and you will protect that and get him home safe. We know. But he has an enemy. And... Uh, as he's heard from many, many, many times, Lord, the past is gone and the future's not here and all he has is the next moment and the next moment to think and do the next right thing that you've planned for him. And his enemy desires to rob every moment. And uh, he can only take two things. He can only take his abundant life, which you paid such a great, a great price for him, uh, for him to have, And uh, if he is able to rob his abundant life, he will also rob his influence to help others to know you and to have that abundant life. So, Lord, we pray that uh, he would take very seriously the instruction and command to take every thought captive, to make no provision for the flesh, to not take one step in his mind for anything that the enemy brings, to not buy what the enemy is selling at any moment from this point forward, Lord, that he might accomplish the things that you've called him to do, that you've created him for. And um, Lord, we uh, will just trust that uh, as he moves forward that he would have wisdom in um, any of the traps that he stepped in in the past, Lord, that he would use his good mind that you've given him to make uh, plans that he would never step in any, any traps again that the enemy has trapped him in. Lord, and our enemy is so, uh, so cunning, Lord, that he always has surprises ahead, Lord, and so give him wisdom to know how to 
prepare for the surprises that the enemy will bring. And we just ask, dear Lord, that you would give him wisdom and the desire to use the scriptures that you've given him and uh, that he would uh, move ahead, Lord, and accomplish the things that you've called him to do all for the purpose of giving you all the glory, which is what he was created for. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can grab a seat. And uh, the great apostle Paul wrote to a young preacher by the name of uh, Timothy. And he said these words. Preach the word. Bless his money. Thank you. And it, it is a real honor to be a part of this church family and to be here together and that we're going to open up the Word of God together and we're going to seek what God has for us together as a church family. And um, it's good to be with you in this room. It's good to be with those who are in the venue. Usually Sarah and I at this service are sitting in the back of the room there in the venue. And so it's fun to be on this side of the camera um, with you today. For those who are online, we're really glad that you're with us. We'd encourage you to to go right now and get your Bible out as we're going to walk through God's Word together that you would actively participate in our gathering as you're watching online. And I want to have everybody pull out the note sheet that's in your program. That I think that'll be quite helpful to you as we walk through our text today so that we can logically follow uh, along with one another. And I'm going to pray for us as we begin here. Father God, Lord, as we open up the truth, Lord, we want to see it as that. We want to see your word as the truth. And so God, may the truth of your word impact us at a high level right now. And God, after coming into contact with the truth of your word that leads us to the truth of who you are as God, Lord, we ask that you would do a transformational work in our lives. And so we submit to you, we come to you, Lord, and we ask you to lead. And we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ and all God's family said, amen, amen. Amen. Well, as we kind of just witness an interesting moment here on stage regarding some specific calls to ministry, we want to kind of shift gears here, kind of consider that as the first part of the message, and now we're into the second part of the message, and And to ask the question, what is our common call to serve Jesus Christ? How has God called us together as the body of Christ to serve him? And there's many ways that he has called us to serve together. And today we're going to look at one of those, one of those ways. And in your Bibles, I would have you turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. The first passage we'll be looking at will be verses 11 and 12. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. And in this passage, we see how the Apostle Paul calls us into relationship or how he extended calls into relationship. And this is what the text says. 
For you know how, like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner that is worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. The apostle Paul, he saw his ministry to people as one that paralleled the type of relationship that a father has with his children. A father who is wanting the absolute best for his children. A father who is willing to do the hard thing when it's the right thing to do as a parent. A father who understands that God is calling his child into the kingdom of God for the glory of God. That type of relationship. A good father exhorts and a good father encourages and a good father charges his child to live in such a way that would be pleasing to the King of kings and Lord of lords and would give glory to God. And I have incredible examples of godly parents, my father and my mother. My father's parents were very godly parents. My mother's parents are godly parents. My in-laws are godly parents. But far above these human examples of parents that I do enjoy, I have a Father that is supreme. And that is my Heavenly Father, our Heavenly Father, the first person of the Holy Trinity. He is the supreme Father. He is the best example of a Father that we will all ever have to enjoy together. And Paul, he sees himself as a Father who's calling out to our children. How much more then does our Heavenly Father call out to us? I would suggest far more. And as we look at this passage, there's three examples of calls we can extend to relationship. And the first is this. I call people into relationship with an exhortation. And what is an exhortation? The Apostle Paul says that in his ministry, he exhorted people like a father exhorts his child. Now, exhort, it comes from a root word, which means to the side of, and then to call upon someone to do something. And so the Apostle Paul is saying that in the same way that a father is right beside his child calling upon them to do something, he saw himself as right beside the people that he was ministering to calling upon them to do something. An exhortation is a, is a father standing right beside the child, strongly guiding the child to action. Picture it this way, a father standing right beside his child, his arm is around his child, and he says to his child, you will. You will. And we see in Scripture examples where Jesus exhorted people with the truth of the Word of God. And there's many examples. We will look at one here together today. And it is John 15.10. And Jesus is explaining the connection between the follower of Jesus Christ and God the Father. And Jesus exhorts his disciples regarding the truth of the abiding life. And Jesus says this, If you keep my commandments, you will 
abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. Jesus is exhorting them, saying, you will abide in my love through your obedience. And I think as we look at uh, Scripture as a whole of the way that Jesus exhorts, we learn from Him that every exhortation that effectively calls people into relationship with God and into relationship with one another, it only has the power to be effective because it is based on the truth of the Word of God. Effective exhortations clearly communicate the truth of the Word of God to the person that we are exhorting. And and for all of us, there are times in our life where we need our father or a father figure in our life to stand right by our side and to strongly guide us towards Christian action. We need to hear someone who loves us deeply tell us the truth of, of the Word of God and say to us, you will. Now, together... In the venue, and for those who are watching online, let's ask ourselves these exhortation questions together. There's two of them. The first is this. How do I, how do you, how do I need to be strongly guided towards Christian action today? Who is someone that God is calling me to strongly guide towards Christian action today. You see, we can call people into relationship with an exhortation. And there's three calls to relationship in this passage. And the second is this. I call people into relationship with an encouragement. Now, what what is an encouragement? This one's maybe more familiar. The Apostle Paul says, that in his ministry he encourages people like a father encourages his child. And encourage, it, it comes from a root word that also means to the side of, but it's to the side of and to speak kindly and to comfort and to soothe. And Paul is saying that in the same way a father would encourage his child, that he saw himself as right next to the people he was ministering to, Speaking kindly to them, to comfort them, and to soothe them. An encouragement is a a father sitting right beside his child, speaking words of comfort. And if you would uh, see the picture here of a dad next to his child, maybe sitting next to his child. He's got his arm around his child. He's speaking words of comfort to his child. And he's saying, you can. You can. And we see in Scripture examples of how Jesus encouraged people with the truth of the Word of God. And there are many. We will look at one here together. And it's in John 14, 5. And it's during a larger discussion about knowing God. And Jesus encouraged Thomas with the truth about how to find the way to God. And it says this, Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going How can we know the way? And notice it's in a question. How can we know the way? He's saying we don't know the way. He's saying I can't find the way. How can I know the way? And often it is in a time where we have great question that we need to be encouraged 
with the truth of the word of God. And this is how Jesus responds. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and you have seen him. Jesus encourages Thomas, who's saying, I I can't. I can't know the way. How can I know the way? Jesus encourages him and he says, you can know the way to God through me, through Jesus Christ. And every encouragement that effectively calls people into relationship with God and into relationship with one another, it has the power to be effective in a person's life because it is founded on the truth of the Word of God. Effective encouragements clearly communicate the truth of the Word of God to the person you are seeking to encourage. And for all of us, there are times I know in my life I need it where I need a father, my father, or a father figure in my life to sit right by my side and to speak words of comfort to me, to hear someone who I know loves me without a shadow of a doubt to tell me the truth about the word of God and to say, you can. Now, together, in the venue and online, let's ask ourselves these questions about encouragement. And the first is this, how do I, how do you, how do I need to hear the words of comfort from the word of God today? Who is someone God is calling me to speak words of comfort to from the word of God today? You see, because we can call people into relationship with an encouragement. And there are three calls to relationship in this passage. And the third is this. I call people into relationship with a charge. With a charge. Now, charge is a little bit different uh, use of a word here. And so what is a charge? The Apostle Paul's saying that it's like when a father charges his child. That's how he's calling people he's ministering to into relationship. Well, charge, it comes from a root word, which means to call to witness and to affirm. So to call to witness and to bring an affirmation. And Paul is saying that in the same way a father affirms a child to bear witness, Paul is he's calling the people he's ministering to, he's calling them to bear witness, and he's doing it in an affirming way. A charge is a father looking right into the eyes of his child. And picture this, maybe the father puts his hand on the child's shoulder and the father looks right into his child's eyes and he bears witness about his child and he affirms his child and he says, you are, you are. I can tell you there was many times that I have needed my father to put his hand on my shoulder and to look me in the eyes and to say, Joel, here is the truth about who you are. And he would share the word of God with me. Then he would teach me the truth about who I am. Joel, here is what the truth of the word of God says about who you are as a person. 
And Jesus charged people with the truth of the Word of God. Again, many examples. We'll look at one from Matthew 5. This is during the Sermon on the Mount. And on a mountainside, Jesus is speaking to His disciples and He's charging them with the truth about how Jesus saw their impact would be on the world. And Jesus charges them and He says, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and then put a under a basket, but they put it up on a stand and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Jesus charges his disciples with the truth about who they are and he says to them, you are the light of the world. And every charge that effectively calls people into relationship with God and into relationship with one another, it only has the power to do so because it is based on the truth of the word of God. Effective charges clearly communicate the truth of the word of God to the person you are charging. And again, there's times in our life where we need somebody who loves us deeply to look us in the eyes and to speak the truth about the word of God and to tell us, you are. You are. So again, Together, let's ask ourselves these charge questions. The first is this, how do I, how do you, how do I need to be affirmed to bear witness as a Christian today? Who is someone that God is calling me to bear Christian witness about in affirmation today? Because we can call people into relationship with a charge and, and who is the person that's coming to your mind right now that God is calling you to build a relationship with? Who's the person that he is bringing to your mind right now that he's calling you to make a relational investment in? And which of these calls will you choose to use? Will you call them into relationship with an exhortation, like a father standing right beside his child, strongly guiding his child to action? Will you call them into relationship with an encouragement, like a father sitting beside his child, speaking words of comfort to soothe them? Will you call them into relationship with a charge, like a father looking directly into his child's eyes, telling them the truth about who they are, and bearing witness and affirmation about them? Now, you may have answered yes to one, two, or all three of those questions, but one thing is absolutely most certain. You are called to relationships because every Christian is called to relationships. And as we talk about the call to Christian ministry that is common to all of us, it is about relationships that are built for the purpose of reconciliation, reconciling people to God and reconciling people to one another. And we've observed from this first text three ways in which Paul calls people into relationship. He uses an exhortation, he uses an encouragement, and he uses a charge. But now we're going to turn our, our attention to a second passage in which Paul kind of lays out for us how he calls people into reconciliation. Because every one of us, as we serve King Jesus, inviting people into relationship, he has a message that he wants to go with us, and it's the hope of the gospel in Jesus Christ. And I want to encourage you to turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 
We're going to start in verse 14. And it's in this second passage that the Apostle Paul, he explains how he calls people into reconciliation. He's calling people into reconciliation. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we'll start in verse 14. For the love of Christ controls us. Because we've concluded this, that one has died for all, and therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but they might live for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. And so we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And what we want to do here is we want to pull out three calls to reconciliation that Paul extends in this passage. And the first is this, I call people into reconciliation with the sacrificial love of Jesus Christ. He says in verse 14, for the love of Christ controls us because we've concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. That to me is a very clear picture of the sacrificial love of Jesus Christ. What he alone has accomplished on our behalf for our benefit. As a follower of Jesus, I am to be controlled by God's love. God's love is calling the shots in my life. I am now ordered by the love of Jesus. And therefore, my life in action should reflect my commander-in-chief. I should live in the way of love. I'm to recognize that Christ, he died to pay the penalty of my sin, and so I no longer have to die for my sin. And the goal of my life is to bring glory to God, and I must think daily about how am I going to let the love of Christ control me so that I correctly attribute honor and glory to God. Now, we want to ask ourselves some reconciliation questions together here in the venue and online. Let, let's, let's wrestle with these. Let's ask ourselves these questions. The first is this. What is an area of my life I need to let the love of Christ control me in today? Who is someone that I will exhort to the love of Christ, to have the love of Christ control them today? You know, just really practically speaking, I'm going to have you uh, open up your, your program because in your program, there is a card 
that says prayer card on it. It looks like this. Small, there's some lines on it. It says Easter at the top. I want to have everybody pull that out. Now, there's probably a pen on your person or there's a pen in the seat in front of you in the pocket there, but I, I would say just very practically, who are some people that you're praying for that they would come to know Jesus Christ? And how can you just right now in faith, just write down their names. Write down their names in, in prayer and in faith right now that you'd be praying for these people to come to know Jesus Christ. Because a very practical way to share the sacrificial love of Jesus Christ is to pray for your friends and invite them to come to with you, have them come with you to your church on Easter that they might hear about the sacrificial love of Jesus Christ. So I encourage you to write down as many names as you can think of. And at the end of this service, I want you to just head right out those doors and there's a, there's a wall over there. It's a prayer wall. And you can take this card and in faith, you can post it up on the prayer wall. And that you would take a practical step to invite the people in your life to come with you to your church on Easter that they might hear about the sacrificial love of Jesus Christ. You see, we can call people into reconciliation with the sacrificial love of Jesus Christ. And there's three calls that we see to reconciliation in this passage. And the second is this. I call people into reconciliation to become a new person in Christ. Brand new. In verse 16, From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and the new has come. If I am in Christ, I am a new person. My old life of sin is to be considered dead with Christ on the cross. I'm no longer to see myself as the old man. I am to see myself as one who has new life in Jesus. And so I must leave my old life of living in the flesh. And I must embrace my new life of living in in the spirit. And let's ask ourselves some questions about reconciliation together here and in the venue and online. And the first is this, how do I need to embrace my new love in my new life in Christ today? And I when I say embrace, I mean bear hug, embrace it. Like I'm going to own it that this is the truth about who I am as a person, that I have new life in Christ. And how do I need to do that? How do you need to do that to really embrace the truth? about your new life in Christ? And then who is someone that I can encourage to embrace new life in Christ today? Again, in your program, you're going to find probably a couple of these. It's a little advertisement. It's a square. It says Easter on it. It has the information on the back. And I, I just encourage you to pull those out right now. There's probably two of them in your program. And as you hold those in your hands... I would just say, very, very practically, who are two names from the prayer card that you just wrote down? Two names that you would commit before the Lord right now to say, I will hand this card to those two people. That I will invite those two people to come with me to my church on Easter so that they can hear about how 
they can have new life in Jesus Christ, that they can become a new person, that they can be a new creation. Literally, the Bible teaches we're born again. Brand new. And who will you give this to? And invite them to come with you to your church on Easter so that they might hear the message of becoming a new creation in Christ. You see, we call people into reconciliation to become a new person in Jesus Christ. And there's three calls in this passage, and the last one we will look at, number three here, is I call people into reconciliation as a trusted ambassador for Christ. In verse 18, all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. And so we implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become, that we might become the righteousness of God. I must see this incredible work as the work of Christ alone in my life. Christ alone has accomplished this for me. God sent Jesus to be the great reconciler for my life. He's addressing my brokenness, providing himself as the solution to heal me. God is the initiator of reconciling me from brokenness back into restored relationship with him. And I cannot take credit for the reconciliation that has taken place in my life, I must always see it as the provision of God and an undeserved gift of grace. But Christ doesn't just save us for our own selfish enjoyment, for our own salvation. He has called each of us to the ministry of sharing the message of reconciliation. Every follower of Jesus, we have at the core of our ministry to Christ the message of the gospel of hope and Savior, of our Savior, Jesus Christ. That's at the core of everything that we do. And so together, let's ask ourselves a last set of questions here about reconciliation. How do I, how do you, need to promote Christ as a trusted ambassador today? Who is someone I am to promote Christ to as a trusted ambassador? ambassador today. You know, on the back of your program, you'll see something kind of interesting as you pull that out and look at it. It's all these different ways you can share through email, our website, social media, what's happening here for Easter weekend. You can use your email to send out a link to the people that you want to invite. You can use your social media to share a Facebook event or to post a link to what's happening here on Easter weekend. You can very simply, but very effectively, use the tool that's been provided here to invite people to your church with you on Easter weekend. And it's such a simple and practical step to take to be a trusted ambassador for Christ. 
that they might come to church with you and they might hear about the sacrificial love of Jesus Christ and that they can become a new creation in Him. And you can take this and you can just follow the links on there and you can share it with the people you have influence with. You see, we call people into reconciliation as a trusted ambassador for Christ. And who's, who's someone you are called to pursue reconciliation with? You see, because every Christian is called to reconciliation. And, and my, my question really is this. Will you pursue relationships for the purpose of reconciliation? Will you pursue relationships for the purpose of reconciliation? And I would invite you to do something very practical. I would invite you to come to the altar room and to pray with a spiritual leader. For those of you in this room right here, to come and pray about the relationships in your life that need reconciliation. For you in the venue, I would encourage you to go to the altar room that's in the venue, that you would pray with the spiritual leaders in there about the relationships in your life that need reconciliation. For those who are watching online, if you go to the top of our website, there's a link that says prayer. You can click on that link. You can fill out a prayer request. And this week, a spiritual leader from our church will contact you. And in prayer, they will join you in prayer in praying for the relationships in your life that need reconciliation. Now, some of you might now, right now, you might be thinking this. The reconciliation that's needed in some of my relationships, there's only one way that's going to happen. And it will be a miracle of God. Well, then let's ask God to do a miracle. Come into the altar room and pray with a spiritual leader and let's ask God to do a miracle in the relationships in your life that need reconciliation. Are you willing to ask God to do a miracle in your relationships? And so I just encourage you, take advantage of that opportunity to come immediately after we get done here and to pray with a spiritual leader and to come before God and to ask Him to do a miracle in the relationships in your life that need reconciliation. I want to have you stand together, and I'm just going to read a portion of this text, and it will be my prayer to close us out today together. Let's bow in prayer together. And Paul says this, I implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, God made Jesus to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. And Lord, we say thank you. You have loved us so well. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. Thank you for loving us. And we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ and all God's family said. Amen. Amen. Blessings to you today.